Turn in your Bible to the book of Romans. The book of Romans and chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. I want to speak this morning on the subject, my expression of my love for God. Everyone knows that we are commanded, really, to love the Lord. It's one of the first commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. And very few people do. But if you did love the Lord, what would be your expressions of your love for Him? There's some things that I want to explain to you this morning. Hope it'll be a blessing. But the Bible tells us that God expressed His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That was God's way of showing you and I how much He loved us. When we say we love Him, there should be a way of expressing that love. So here in Romans in chapter 5, I want you to look there in verse 5. Verse 5 says, And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. But peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is an awesome portion of Scripture. Showing you how much God loves us. As I was explaining in Sunday school this morning, the teaching of eternal security, the belief that whenever you trust Christ as your Savior, and He gives you eternal life, and it lasts forever, that's a demonstration of how much God loves us. And yes, it would demonstrate some love for us if he had saved us only for a day. And it would demonstrate more of God's love if he had saved us for a year. But it demonstrates his perfect love when it says he loves us forever and saves us forever. When people add works to the gospel, they're diminishing the appearance of God's love. They're taken away from what God wants people to know. And no man has a right to tamper with the love of God. So these are important scriptures. Every life has a purpose. And the purpose of every man is to find it. A man may live for money, power, or fame, but whatever he lives for constitutes his purpose for life. The question to ask is, what does God say should be my purpose for living? We already covered several reasons on why should I be a soul winner. Because we know that being a soul winner is the greatest expressions of revealing God's love you can ever have. You can sing in the choir, but it doesn't do it all. Because singing in the choir is not going to lead people to Christ. Unless the message is good enough and that's what it does. But I'm talking about even coming to church and sitting with our Bibles in our hands. That's, that's good. I don't diminish that. But there is nothing that can compare with 
the actual winning of people to Christ, talking to individuals. Now, I was talking to James earlier, and James was telling me that he had a couple trust the Lord in RU the other night. And I thought, isn't that wonderful? He's not the pastor, but he don't have to be the pastor to be a soul winner. I got a phone call the other night, and I think it was Jesse, or it might have been Peter, but I can't remember which one. They go soul winning. And they'll call me up and says, we had 20-something trust the Lord or 30-something trust the Lord on soul winning. Not the pastor of the church. But you see, you don't have to be a pastor of a church to express your love for the Lord. See, the best way you can ever express it is by telling somebody who's never heard it. Sometimes you ever heard a preacher, they talk about, well, he's just preaching to the choir. He's just preaching to the choir. In other words, you're just talking to the people that already knows it and already heard it a thousand times. They don't need that. But we are thankful that we know Christ. We can keep talking about it. But you see, little by little, we're going to all pass away and we're going to be with the Lord. Where are all of those people that we're supposed to reach in the meantime? And that's why it's so important. But Christ told his disciples to go. That is a command. Preaching the gospel is a command of God, not a leading. Some people say, well, I don't feel like witnessing. It's not what I want to do. And if I don't feel like it, I shouldn't do it because I would be doing it with the wrong motive. And you know you don't want to do something with the wrong motive. You know, like the husband comes home and says, honey, you didn't do the dishes. Well, of course I didn't do the dishes. Well, why didn't you do the dishes? Because I have a wrong motive. I didn't want to do them. And if I did it with the wrong motive, that would be the flesh. And I don't want to do anything in the flesh. I just want to do it in the spirit. So I'm going to wait until the Holy Spirit leads me to wash those dishes. Well, if I came home and told my daughter, Trina, Trina, wash the dishes. Yes, most righteous father. Greatest father in all the world. Most perfect dad. I can't wash the dishes. And I can't make the bed. Because my motives are not right. I'm going to give her an attitude adjustment. It won't be long before she'll be in the dishwashing business. You see, I want her to do it for the right motive. For the right reason. But if she doesn't do it with the right motive, she better do it with the wrong motive. The right motive is for her enjoyment. I want the job done. When you go to work tomorrow and your boss says, I want you to do this, this, and this, and all, I appreciate that. But... I don't have the right motive. And, you know, I don't want to do this thing in the energy of the flesh. I don't want to go ahead of the Lord. I want the Lord to lead me to do this and guide me. Uh huh. In other words, you don't want to do it. Well, they were having choir practice yesterday. Next thing I know, they said some guy was, kid was knocking at the door. So... They didn't know who it was, so they went and opened the door. Who is? Angel? Where? Angel, that's the guy. He come and knocked at this door. And so Peter let him in, and he said, I want to see Yankee Arnold. Now, I've never met Angel. I, I met this angel. We got two angels in here this morning. <laughs> An angel. Came in the door. Says, I want to see Yankee Arnold. 
He said somebody told him to come here and see Yankee Arnold. So he said that's what he wanted to do. So anyway, Peter brought him in there to see me. And, you know, I'm, I'm busy. I'm working. I got things to do. I ain't got time to talk to some 15-year-old kid about the Lord and how to go to heaven when he dies. I mean, what I was doing was so much more important. Well, wait, 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 wait. Isn't that what you do when you don't have time to win souls? Time to pass out a track? Because you're always saying then that everything else you do is more important. Ooh, that hurt, didn't it? Mm. Well, anyway, they brought him in. Of course, I'm glad to talk to him. He came on in, sat down in the chair, act like he owned the place. No, anyway, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit, and I uh, asked him a question about, do you know for certain you're going to heaven when you die? Well, he wasn't too sure about that. So I went ahead and explained the gospel, and he understood. He trusted Christ as Savior. Didn't you trust the Lord? Yes. And uh, anyway, he uh, listened a little bit, and I invited him to come today. I, I didn't know he was here. But you see, that's just because, now, what did Peter have said at the door? Hey, I'm sorry. You came to the wrong door. Slam. Or the preacher's too busy to talk to you today. No. I chaff at the bits for that. You can bring them to me all day long. I don't care. But what I want you to do and get to understand is that you can always win souls. Uh, uh, Betty, have you ever led somebody to the Lord? Did you go? You didn't go this Friday night, did you? Oh, you did go to the Friday night? Did you have anybody trust the Lord? You got escorted out of the mall. Betty, what, what did you do? Did you witness to the security guard or something? Not that night. <laughs> Listen, this is a lady. Can I tell them how old you are? How old are you? 85? 68. She's 68, and she goes out on the lady of the street. No, she's, she's out on the street <laughs> talking, talking to individuals about how to have eternal life. You say, well, you can't do that. Yes, you can. Is um, Jesse, are you in here? Jesse, how, did, how many did y'all have Friday night? 27 or 28 that they led to the Lord Friday night. You see, all this means is this is an expression of their love for the Lord. Now, you can say how much you love the Lord, but in what ways are you expressing your love? You see, even when we take up the offering, the money that you give, the amount God knows you should give, and the amount you did give, is an expression of your love for the Lord. It also is an expression of your love for this ministry and the people we have working here and what they're doing. So whenever you hold back, you rob yourself. You're stealing from yourself. Not talking about what you're doing to God or the cause. The cause is so important. But you'd be surprised how many times you can steal things from God by not expressing how much you love Him. Your attendance to church is an expression and should be an expression of your love for the Lord. Why? Because you're doing what? Because I love the Lord. And this is what God wants me to do. Remember, it always boils down to what does God want me to do? It doesn't matter what the preacher wants. I'm just to tell you what God said, but it's not between you and me. Everything in our lives is between us and God. It doesn't matter whether you please me or not. It's what do you please God? What does God want you to do with your life? And so your involvement is an expression of your love. For example, 
We have the choir. People come and they doesn't take so much of their time to come. Yesterday they was here for a couple hours practicing. They, they practice every Sunday morning at 8.30. So they are singing in the choir. Okay, now the reason, why are they doing that? It's for the money. <laughs> Peter pays them so much money. Sandy says, I haven't got mine yet. I knew you was going to say that. It's not because of the money. It's because it's an expression of their love for the Lord. It's because they want the choir to sound good, and it does, doesn't it? Think about this for a moment. You have Mrs. Paulson, and you have Jan over here, and they've been playing the piano and the organ. Uh, Mrs. Paulson has been under the weather right now. She's got to carry this whole thing, and she's doing an excellent job. I'm serious. When she started, she was scared to death. But her faithfulness is an expression of how much she loves the Lord. She's willing to go through all of that, the missed notes, whatever it is, and the time, and all that. <laughs> but because of her love for the Lord, she will endure the hardness, as the Scripture says, as a good soldier. I was up there in Jacksonville on Thursday. Got a phone call, and somebody had a granddad that they wanted somebody to go by and see. And I wasn't able to do it. So we told him, says, call the church, talk to James. Anybody can get him, James can. So they got a hold of James, and James went to the hospital. The guy was, James, 94? 94 years old. And James talked to the guy for a little while and asked him a few little questions, and by the time you get through with all the niceties, you know where he's headed. And to say, well, do you know where you're going when you die? So James explained the gospel to him. And as best, when we say somebody trusts the Lord, all we're telling you is that they said they would trust the Lord. I can't say who's saved and who's not. If I say 25 people trusted Christ as a Savior at this meeting, all I'm saying is that they said that. I didn't say that. I'm just telling how many people told me that they would trust Christ as Savior. So when I went to preach at that school down there in Miami, and about 30 or 40 trusted the Lord. That's about how many? Probably more than that, but I wanted to be conservative. And I went to another school, and Peter went, maybe five or six trusted the Lord there. But you see, that doesn't mean that's the total picture. If there's 100 people, there's 100 people who made 100 decisions. Everybody decides. Every one of you in this room are going to make a decision this morning. You're going to figure out, is there ways that I can improve the expressions of my love for the Lord? You see, singing in the choir is an expression of people's love. People who work in the RU program is an expression of their love. But what I want you to see is this. It's the individuals in the church that are being soul winners. They're talking to people about the Lord. They're carrying tracts on them. We went through over 20, about 24, 25,000 tracts in the last six months. That's a lot of tracks. We just had to order another 20,000 tracks. But isn't that wonderful? And every week I get somebody from this state or that state or someplace that's either ordering something or calling up and saying, do you trust the Lord? Or they were blessed because of the broadcast or something. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. It's our motive. My desire is to try to teach you to be a soul winner, to talk to people about the Lord. Because I believe it's so important. Look at the next scripture down here. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 17, if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. If against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is still committed unto me. Sometimes you preach the gospel because you want to, and sometimes you do it because it's, it's a duty to do. I feel like I'm responsible, and I should. But I wrote down two things here, and I want you to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. The reason these verses are so important is because it is an expression of somebody's love and concern. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I want you to notice there in verse 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. And look, this is some of the scriptures that kind of gives you what he did with the right motive. See in verse 4, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our heart. You see, presenting the gospel, winning people, is not to please men. It's done to please God. It's not done to please yourself. You don't do it because, well, I want to today. Well, I don't want to today. It's a responsibility. You were entrusted. It means God is trusting you. Have you betrayed his trust? And that you say, well, I'd never get any opportunities. <laughs> if you don't get any, make some. But look at what else he says. He says in verse 5, Neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children, and so being affectionately desirous of you, we have willing uh, we're willing to have imparted to you not only the gospel of God only, but also our own souls because you were dear unto us. Look, look what he did, and he, this is his motive. We didn't have false motive. We did because you were dear unto us and the way that we were with you. See, winning people to Christ is, yeah, it can be a scary thing. But every one of you in this room who knows Christ as Savior didn't all trust the Lord in church. That'd be interesting. How many of you in here trust the Lord but not in church? That's probably over half, over half the church. So you didn't trust the Lord in the church. So it means you trust the Lord outside of this church or some church. Everyone should take seriously the command that God has given to us. It's what gives purpose to your life. It's why you're faithful. It's why you come and give. Now, take your Bible real quick and look in the book of Philippians. Philippians and chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And look in verse 12. Here is the results of some who do it for the wrong reason, wrong motive. In verse 12, but I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So all the things that seems to be the bad things that happens to you in life happen unto the furtherance of the gospel. Do you understand that? That all those things you consider to be bad things are opportunities. It puts you in a different situation, different place, with different people for a reason. God can do that. You're supposed to believe that. Paul believed that. So that everything that happens in your life, God doesn't care about me. Oh, it's all always about you. Poor little you. And you have your pity party. 
because nothing works out right for you. Did you realize God may be blessing you abundantly and you don't even see it? Blessings is not just, oh, he gave me a lot of money, gave me a nice house, gave me a nice car. They can become a curse to you. The key is, do you understand that God moves in strange and mysterious ways? And he does. And so he makes a statement. He said, I get opportunities in verse 13 to preach in the palace. In verse 14, and many of the brethren wax confident by my bonds are more bold. So there's others who are becoming bold because I'm bold. They're doing it without fear because I do it that way. When they see what I go through for the cause of Christ, it encourages. You see, everything we say and do is either encouraging people or discouraging people. When you think about those that work with ranch, did you know that when kids come in, if a whole bunch of kids comes in, I bet you that would really encourage Jesse. But if only a few kids come, probably gets down and discouraged. If everybody showed up for choir practice, Peter's probably greatly encouraged. But not everybody does everything they're supposed to do. But remember, we have responsibilities on the Lord, and our commitment and our faithfulness is all because it is an expression of our love for the Lord, and we take it seriously. So whether it's camp we got coming up, do you realize the problems you can have with trying to put together a camp? Just by having the kids come. Every kid is a problem. Every kid. Some kids are more than just one problem. Some of them bring a lot of problems. And you've got to have the right counselors who love those kids and help them solve those problems. So you've got to have counselors that know the Lord and love the Lord and are willing to give of their time and their effort to make something happen. It's always safe. Yes, to do nothing. To play little games where it doesn't involve me. I don't have to be involved. Involvement is an expression of your love for the Lord. How involved are you in the ministries of the Lord? I'm not talking about coming to church. You come to church, that's where we come to listen and to learn and to grow and to feed and so forth. But that's not our ministry. That's not what you do. That's where we come to learn what to do and how to do it. But now, if you take away the church and the attendance and the money that you give, what is the ministry that you have? Say, this is what I do for the cause of Christ. Over and above my attendance. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Even such more as you see the day approaching. So that's something that we ought to do. And I'm not diminishing that. I'm just saying now, outside of that, what are you involved in? Do you see why the preacher is always trying to get people involved in things? Several reasons. Let me tell you this. Do you realize that not long ago, Peter had never done a choir? That he didn't know how to play the guitar? He couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time? Well, I mean, I don't know. But by accepting a responsibility, he learned how to do some things he couldn't do before. Did you know that Jesse, who's been in this ministry most of his life, now he's doing our youth ministry and head deacon. Did you know that his involvement not only helps him to reach 
kids and to train the kids. It's what it does to him. You see, you use the ministry to build the people, not use the people to build a ministry. We want Reformers Unanimous because it helps build James Taylor. And the ones that help, it does something to them and for them. It builds them. When you don't get involved, you don't grow. You do not grow because you go to church. You learn the word, but it's not the end of the game. It's to prepare you to do the work of the ministry. Every child of God is to be involved. Did you know that we need more labors? Why do you think Christ says, concerning the law of the harvest, he says, pray ye that the Lord of the harvest will send forth labors, because the labors are few. The labors are few. The work is great. The labors, few, because it takes commitment. But you see, those commitments that you make between you and the Lord is because it is a reflection, an expression of your love of the Lord. Not to be involved, never do anything. It tells some things about you. Are you spiritually minded? Spiritually minded means you mind the spirit. Fleshly minded means you mind the flesh. And I've had people say, well, I'd sing in the choir, but since I don't want to, I don't want to do this in the flesh. Well, I don't either, but I'd rather see a body up there than an unseen spirit. Everybody, you can sing a special. You could work with ranch. Maybe pick up kids to bring them to ranch. Maybe you can help in Awana. Maybe you can help in teaching in Sunday school. See, that's one of the things I, I try to do. I'm not saying I do it perfectly. I try to create jobs. Creating jobs means I'm creating opportunities for people to grow. Because you don't grow just by coming to church and sitting and listening. You don't know what you think you know until you start trying to teach somebody else what you know. That'll rack your brain. Then to be faithful, consistent, keep doing something consistently, and you'll find out what you're made out of. Because when it gets hard, it gets difficult, first thing people want to do is, I quit, I quit, I quit, I quit. Why? Because it's so easy to quit. I've had to keep going for 52 years, and I don't plan on quitting yet. If I was going to quit, I should have done it a long time ago. You know, at my age, it's too late to start another trade. <laughs> Preaching is all I know. But my reason is that I want to help people to, to grow strong in the Lord. 